You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Researchers have known for several years that being overweight and having type 2 diabetes can increase the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. But they're not beginning to talk about another form of diabetes, type 3. Type 3 diabetes of the brain, which is associated with dementia and Alzheimer's. Today, we have the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease, Ralph Sanchez. His groundbreaking new book connects the dots between type 2 diabetes, type 3 diabetes, and Alzheimer's disease. Welcome to Wellness for Life show, Ralph. Hello, Suzanne. So happy to be here with you, my old friend. Yes, we've known each other, gosh, <laughs> at least 24 uh, years, something like that. It's amazing. And, and I am so excited about this book because you really put together so much great science and explain it clearly of what we need to do to get well and prevent, prevent uh, diabetes or diabetic brain. I said diabetes number three. So uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, Suzanne, uh, when you and I met many years ago, we were both into functional medicine, and I had embraced that into my practice that was uh, primarily based on Chinese medicine. And so I had an integrative medicine practice, of course, and uh, functional medicine really sort of took over that medicine. And it was an important part of me getting well, too, because I had my own health issues. And then looking at research and looking at my own health issues, I discovered that I had a significant risk for neurological problems as I aged because of a health history. I had a severe brain trauma when I was younger. I had documented a uh, mercury body burden. I had been in the landscaping field and suffered from extreme exposure to pesticides. So I was looking at all that and I thought I really better get busy and make sure that I'm protecting my brain and enhancing and optimizing its function. And uh, as I dug into the research, I slowly just became really enthralled by it all because the science back then as, um, as, you know, as not as progressive as it is today still had a lot to say in terms of the risk for an Alzheimer's disease or a dementia. And the risk factors that I had were a component to what I was finding out. But when I came across a uh, biomarker, a genetic risk variant for Alzheimer's disease, uh, which is referred to as the APOE4 genetic variant, and I started to look into that and discovered that it was also a biomarker for cardiovascular disease. And I had started to incorporate what is called advanced cardiovascular risk assessments. And I thought, wow, we can do APOE4 and really look into the, uh, the patient's you know, risk for heart disease and how that can translate into, into a dementia or an Alzheimer's disease as well. And then years later, the information started to progress around the research and uh, the issues related to diabetes started to surface as well too, type 2 diabetes. And then in 2005, a fascinating study came out that coined the term 
and the hypothesis of type 3 diabetes. And uh, when I looked at that, I go, well, that's fascinating. And soon thereafter, many studies started to uh, pop up and explore that issue. And I followed the research very clearly. And after a few years, uh, after writing an article on the topic and really diving into that information, I decided that was going to be my book. Mm. Well, it's been it's been uh, building for many years. Then, you know, yes. I, I it really has been. You and I've talked a lot about that because I mean, you're one of my go to guys, Ralph, when it comes to science based uh, nutritional approaches and and functional medicine. So um, I'm so happy for you. It's a fantastic book. Uh, you talk a lot about that ApoE4. Can you give us just a little stats on that so that we know it's an important marker? It's an important gene to look at. Well, it is, and the uh, great information around APOE4 is pretty vast. You know, it's the most validated uh, risk variant, genetic risk variant in Alzheimer's disease, <clears throat> and it's a very, very important one to be aware of because if you're a carrier, now you can have one or two copies. Um, if you have one copy, your risk... Um, can be anywhere from double to five times, depending upon the research that you're looking at. And if you're a carrier of two copies, your risk is increased by, you know, at least 10, 15 times more than the person that's not a carrier. But the reasons for it are fascinating. So yes, it raises your risk. It's not a determinant, and I want to really clarify here that we're talking about risk factors associated with what's termed late onset Alzheimer's disease. And we're differentiating that from early onset Alzheimer's disease, which is uh, genetically determined. In other words, if you have the genes for early onset Alzheimer's disease, you're going to have Alzheimer's before the age of 60 or by the age of 60. Whereas in late Alzheimer's, um, late onset Alzheimer's disease, the disease uh, slowly comes on over many years. And it's after the age of 65 that people are beginning to get diagnosed with that issue related to a dementia and cognitive impairment. And uh, the risk uh, actually grows as people age. One in 10 people after the age of 65 are diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that increases to between three and four people over the age of 85. But the reasons behind the uh, the APOE4 variant and why you might be at an increased risk is fascinating. And I know you wrote a book on um, mitochondrial function, Suzanne, and we can talk uh, forever on the topic, but APOE4 actually affects mitochondrial function. You know, so uh, that's in a, very, a very important aspect. And, and, and a related aspect of that is that if you're born with the APOE4 gene, you do not utilize glucose that well. It's called glucose hypometabolism. And uh, when I started to see that research many years ago, I thought, well, wow, this is really a fascinating component that I can integrate into this type 3 diabetes model because type 3 diabetes is really just essentially um, you know, linked to what's called brain insulin resistance. 
and that's why they call it type 3 diabetes. But it's um, more than brain insulin resistance in the way that I put it together in the book. It incorporates issues with mitochondrial function and glucose uh, metabolism, which is, of course, very closely associated with all of that. Um, chronic inflammation, APOE4 carriers tend to be more prone to inflammatory problems in the brain and in the body as well, too, because the APOE4 is also associated with insulin resistance in the body to some degree. But uh, another fascinating component to APOE4 is that um, it appears, the research is not conclusive, but it appears that APOE4s are born also with a, a slight disadvantage, which is a smaller volume of a very important part of the brain, which is called the hippocampus. And that's where a lot of the learning and memory processes, uh, you know, really are activated in the brain. And that's one of the centers in the brain where Alzheimer's actually begins. And people with APOE4 are born with reduced hippocampal volume and they have greater rates and risk of brain and hippocampal shrinkage or atrophy. So that's another disadvantage, but all of these disadvantages can be overcome, and that's what I talk about in the book. It's really important to understand these risk factors because you can take control, and the earlier you find out about it, the, um, the uh, better you're going to be, uh, better off you're going to be as you age because hopefully you're working with somebody that understands these risk factors and what you can do about them to, um, to control that risk as you age. Right. Your book is, you know, it's really about protecting your brain. And he, you know, you go into all the different aspects of what is the biggest factors that can uh, age the brain and cause inflammatory reactions. You go really deep into the role of ages, advanced glycation end products. Can you go ahead and talk a little bit about what is advanced glycation end products and what can we do to stop producing them? Well, you know, thank you, uh, Suzanne. Uh, that's a very important aspect of what I also detail in the book, as you said. And and this is an, why I thought the diabetic brain and Alzheimer's disease was the perfect title uh, for me because as I went into the research beyond brain insulin resistance and discovered things like glucose hypometabolism as a significant risk issue, I also ran into the role of um, ages. Now we know type 2 diabetes raises your risk for Alzheimer's disease and one of the reasons it does is that there is a very important component to type 2 diabetes uh, that actually is part of the disease process and characterizes the disease process to a great extent, and that's referred to as glycation. And glycation, people can relate to in terms of a biomarker that's readily available through blood chemistry assessments, and that biomarker is called hemoglobin A1C, and very often referred to as just A1C now. And that's a marker of glycation. It's used as a marker of glycemic control over a period of time, 
but its most uh, advantageous use is as a biomarker of glycation. So it indicates just how badly the blood sugar, the elevated blood sugar that's circulating around and is not controlled because you're either a pre-diabetic or you have metabolic syndrome or you have type 2 diabetes, all of which is associated with elevated levels of blood sugar. It's called hyperglycemia. And hyperglycemia and elevated blood sugar actually glycates a lot of the proteins like hemoglobin and a lot of the tissues and the fats in our body and also can uh, start to interact with our DNA. So it's a very destructive process and that glycation process leads to even a more destructive process which is a termed advanced glycation end products. And that becomes a much more serious stage in the glycation uh, process. And those molecules that are formed, they're called advanced glycation end products or ages, you know, are very deleterious, very toxic, and they interact with a receptor. And that receptor has a great acronym. It's spelled R-A-G-E and it's rage so ages interact with rage and through that interaction stimulate a lot of um, pro-inflammatory processes uh, which in turn also are related to oxidative stress and oxidative stress and pro-inflammatory processes are actually the underlying factors uh, to most disease processes, including Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. So it's important to understand all of this because you can take control. And you ask me, well, how do we take control? Well, you prevent glycation. One of the things that I noticed when I was younger because of some of the health issues that I had is that I was glycating way too much. And it uh, frankly scared me because I knew what that meant. And so I got very busy with nutraceuticals. There's some great um, supplements like acarnosine and lipoic acid and many others that are great anti-glycating nutrients. And if you're glycating too much, you really want to protect yourself against that glycation process by loading up on these things. And diet is very, very important. Polyphenols, the plant chemicals, that are loaded with anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits are very, very important for helping to control those processes as well, too, because guess what? Glycation, or these advanced uh, glycation end products, more appropriately, uh, they naturally come in food. And these are uh, foods that are higher in fat, particularly uh, animal fat. So that's another reason to perhaps lean more towards a plant-based diet. Although I want to stress that a plant-based diet is nothing new. It's just another version of a vegan diet. Uh, but it's good for the planet, right? So it's a great way to you know, start embracing a model of eating that's good for the planet and good for you too. But really the key takeaway in that model is eating lots of healthy vegetables and um, some fruits that are loaded with these protective nutrients. 
which really protect. In other words, you can have these ages in your food. It's not going to be a huge issue. Um, everybody uh, knows that the paleo diet, and the paleo diet is an extremely healthy diet, and it's a diet that has meat in it, so um, we can't just throw out the baby with the bad uh, with the bathwater and say that well meats are just plain bad for you. They're not, but uh, uh, ages are in uh, meats with and other foods with higher fat content, and so you want to be a little careful about. Um, how that all of that may be playing out in terms of your eating habits and the glycation that's going on in your body and risk for diabetes and of course how all that plays out into a risk for dementia and Alzheimer's as you age. Thank you for giving us that great explanation of why it's so important to uh, control um, the uh, increased level of ages or um, this advanced glycation end products. I, I, I want, you know, people uh, listening to understand that when you've got too much sugar, I mean, what's really going on is that the sugar in your bloodstream, uh, and you've, we've all seen this, if we, if we heat up sugar, let's say, and you combine it and it literally gets sticky, right? You can make it into this kind of honey-like paste. And that's what happens also. You can think of it that way. When it binds to these fats and these proteins in your bloodstream, naturally, if you just have too much sugar swimming around and you're not able to utilize the sugar, which that that's the term hypometabolism of glucose that uh, Ralph just mentioned, is that you're not using the sugar for energy source. It's not going into the tissue for energy. So the marker that Ralph, you mentioned about the hemoglobin A1C. Uh, there's a wide range of the numbers, um, but I'd like to know what your numbers, what you think is the numbers that we've really got to go look at, um, because it can be anywhere from 4.7, 4.5, all the way up, you know, in, in the tens. And I've seen pretty high, if you've got diabetes, to be much higher. So what is the number that we've got to really look out for? Thank you for asking, Suzanne. And I want to, before I get to those numbers, really kind of reemphasize what you said, because it's very important. Uh, when we talked about foods that are rich in ages, the biggest problem that um, uh, is derived from those ages is how those foods are cooked. And I make a big point of that in the book. Now, you describe how cooking and sugars and the sticky process can happen in our body just as it does in uh, cooking, well, the cooking part is really important because the higher heat and the more you um, uh, roast or fry or, um, you know, high temperature cook, grill, grilling is really toxic as a matter of fact, but high temperature cooking is where these ages really start to advance into you know, more deleterious molecules and uh, open uh, uh, flame cooking. It can be uh, another source of an e even another family of age-related chemicals. Um, so it's important to understand that the high temperature cooking is really an important aspect of all of that and meets are the biggest problem there. So high temperature cooking of meats 
is really a bad idea. So that great browning, because that's really the essential component to all of that. It's called the Maillard reaction in cooking. And the Maillard reaction is all about enhancing taste and the look of foods through higher temperature cooking and the interaction of uh, some sugars that happen in the process. And that's what is really uh, part of the problem. So you want to avoid that. Cook your meats at lower temperatures. What and, if you uh, boiled your meat? What happens then? Bo actually, that's, very, that's a very good question because boiling does override some of that. The water is what actually uh, makes a difference. So boiling tends to override some of that. But, you know, uh, the way I do it is like when I cook fish, I just poach. I don't fry. I don't grill. I don't roast. I poach. And the same with meat. I uh, put my meat in the oven and I cook it at 180 degrees. Um, and it uh, takes longer, but it comes out beautifully. And uh, you don't have to do high temperature cooking. You know, you don't have to do the grilling and the roasting. and Even a slow cooker searing. would be good. A slow yeah, cooker. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, in my second book, The Improved Mind Diet, I emphasize slow temperature cookers and slow cookers you know they've become very popular but that's a great way of doing it as well too i make a lot of soups and i cook my meat rather than um yeah you know, roasting or i don't i don't like grilling my meat just for that same reason great yeah exactly exactly so you asked about the numbers and the numbers of uh, hemoglobin a1c uh, the glycation numbers, you know, like you said, they can go as low as the fours. Um, ideally, a, a perfect number might be, you know, high fours or five. But in the real world, you don't see that very often. And uh, I say if people can uh, keep it at 5.5 or under, they're doing really well especially if they have a really healthy diet because as I said, there's a lot of components in a diet that actually will tend to offset glycation processes, you know, which are pro-inflammatory and related to oxidative stress. So there's a lot that you can do through a healthy diet to offset that. And of course, uh, supplementation, as I said, is an important component if you're having a little bit more of a problem where you're getting into the 5.5 to 6 point range. But when you start creeping up closer to 6, like 5.8, 5. .8, 5 or six, you know, that, that really is getting to be a problem. You're starting to get into a pre-diabetic range, which is not good. So 5.8 and above, you're uh, essentially starting to over-glycate, glycate way too much. And when you're over six, you're really starting to have problems. At 6.5, you are a, a diabetic. So you don't want to get over six and um, try to keep it down to 5.5 if possible or less. You know, it's difficult at times to do that. But, you know, depending upon your history, your current history and your diet and uh, supplementation, it's, it's doable. I think that everyone needs to ask their doctor when you get your blood test done. And, and don't do it just once a year. Do it twice a year. Many, many doctors still to this day, uh, your regular interns, will, they just don't 
order hemoglobin A1C as part of their regular, uh, they only look at the glucose, you know, which is the, the fasting glucose, and that's just not enough. So make sure that we all, you all get the hemoglobin A1C blood test done and uh, take a look. And if it starts to creep up over 5.5, that's when you really got to look at your diet and manage it appropriately. I know that exercise really helps manage that as well. And a lot of my patients that are pre-diabetic um, and diabetic, I just tell them to exercise after each meal. That will really shift the amount of glucose in the bloodstream. Great advice, Suzanne. And you know, you mentioned keeping a track of that biomarker. And uh, I talk about biomarkers a lot in the book, and that's a, a very important one. Uh, the way people can look at it is it's a marker of aging, right? Not only that's related right. to ages that are possibly being formed, but just aging in general. Diabetes, type 2 diabetes, one of the things that I learned very early on in my career is it really is a model of accelerated aging. And the thing that accelerates uh, that whole process in diabetes is glycation. So look at that biomarker because it's a, a biomarker of aging. And uh, you can control your aging process to some extent by making sure you're not glycating too much. Right. I also uh, know, you know, from the research I've done for my book, The Kimchi Diet, that that reducing inflammatory issues and enhancing your gut microbiome has a big factor on your blood sugar level. And there's been studies done, uh, oh. human studies in Korea, where they've given women uh, who are overweight, who are diabetic at a specific number, and their numbers go down just from adding uh, lactic acid bacteria, kimchi, into their lives. So there are ways, um, and, and I know that you've got that new book coming out soon too. Yeah, but I think what you mentioned is really important. My second book is The Improved Mind Diet, and I do talk about the gut-brain connection and the improved mind diet because, like you said, the microbiome is um, an important component. You know, it's called the gut-brain connection, right, Suzanne? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was really influenced by a book uh, many years ago called The Second Brain. And, uh, you know, oh, in yeah. my person's book, is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, one of the things that I started to really emphasize very early on in my practice was, you know, looking at gut issues, because that's really a key to lots of problems. And in Chinese medicine, that's really emphasized a great deal. It's called the spleen chi, you know, and, uh, having good spleen chi, which translates into digestion and a healthy microbiome and all of that, you know, is really, really important. As a matter of fact, there is a new drug for Alzheimer's disease that was just approved in China only. And the function, the way that that actually benefits Alzheimer's disease is by controlling gut inflammation and improving the microbiome. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's easier to eat real food. <laughs> I'd say, you know, get some more <laughs> fermented food in there, yeah. make sure that your lactic acid bacteria is growing and you don't have any type of pathogens growing in your gut. There's so many other ways of doing that than to having a drug. But I'm glad that um, they're starting to really look at the gut for Alzheimer's. Thank you so much. This was great information. Tell us where we can find more information about you and your new book. 
Uh, thank you, Suzanne. Uh, well, the Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease is up on Amazon. That's easy to find. People can also go to my website, thealzheimerssolution.com. Along the way, I've put together a great program, which is called Brain Defend. And in Brain Defend, I walk people through really understanding what the risk factors are, what we can do to you know, modify those uh, risk factors and control them so you're not at uh, greater risk for a dementia or Alzheimer's disease as you age. And I just put together, along with a, a business team, a great component to that Brain Defend program where I'm working with entrepreneurs that have small to medium-sized businesses. And we're working not only to save their brain and make sure that they have a healthy brain and body as they age, but we're working on their business too. And what we're uh, guaranteeing is that we actually double the value of their business. And the whole idea is to, you know, look forward to a retirement where you have uh, the uh, ability to do what you really love to do and more of it. Uh, through having a, um, a great retirement where you have a great business that's uh, fueling that and also a great body and brain to support all of that so you can enjoy it. Thank you, Ralph. That's awesome. Brain Defend Program, so much. I so appreciate you being here. Wow, that was amazing. The diabetic brain, it's a must-read for everyone, you know, who wants to protect and preserve the brain. Ralph Sanchez does an excellent job of outlining in detail the most current science-based information on the critical risk factors for dementia and Alzheimer's disease, a disease that affects all of us. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I know you've learned a great deal of valuable information, so do share the show with your loved ones. It can truly change their life for the better. Please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. And if you need to um, dig deeper into your health issues, I work with people all around the globe through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well. <laughs>